we pick up right where we left off. And so last week we saw the crossing of the Red Sea. And I love that as soon as they crossed the Red Sea, what did, what did they do? They, they started to sing. That safe people are singing people. And I loved hearing you guys sing. And singing is incredible because it teaches us so many things. Uh, like that one song about God being our lighthouse, that he brings us safe to shore. Uh, you're going to see how they just crossed the Red Sea. But um, as we're going to look at our passage today in chapters 15, 16, and part of 17, we're going to see how quickly they began to grumble. We're going to see three movements today, three different uh, settings, and how in each setting, each movement, they just grumbled. And, uh, and, and so the, each, each one was, uh, was um, for a different reason, but we got to make sure that we all understand some vocabulary this morning, and I want to make sure we understand our definitions. Hangry, you guys know hangry? Hangry is a state of anger and irritability caused by lack of food. Hunger causing a negative change in emotional state. Anger fueled by hunger. You guys know hangry? You ever been hangry? Yeah, I get hangry. You know, uh, you watch TV and there's a candy bar that promises something. Snickers. Snickers promises you what? To satisfy you. Right. And so we'll see here how... The, the Israelites, like us today, they think these other things can satisfy us. And that we'll see, we'll be reminded here that this points us to Christ, that Christ is the only thing that will ever truly satisfy you. So let me, let me pray for our time in the Word this morning. Father, we come to you this morning. Uh, we're not any different than the Jews were um, thousands of years ago wandering around the wilderness. We receive your praises so quickly, and yet we begin to grumble moments later. And so, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, that you would convict us of our sin today, that we would not be a grumbling people, but we'd be people full of gratitude, that we'd be a thankful people. So, Lord, I pray as we read through your word this morning that it would cut us that it would uh, open up uh, just things that we've been hiding in our lives. It would expose our sin. Lord, I pray that it would encourage us that those who are um, tripped up and have fallen, that your word would pick them up today. So, Lord, please uh, speak through me this morning. Give us ears to hear from you. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So this morning we're looking at uh, Exodus 15 through 17 and this idea of grumbling or gratitude. Who are you this morning? Do you grumble or are you kind of naturally a person of gratitude and thanks? Uh, so this morning we look at Exodus 15, uh, the song of Moses gets us to verse 21 and in verse 22 we pick up reading this morning. It says, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. And they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore, it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And he cried to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it into the water. And the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, 
and there he tested them. I love this picture of, of Moses throwing this log into the water. And, and, and many people have speculated, well, it must have been this type of wood. It doesn't really matter. I mean, think about it. I mean, that's the thing with the Red Sea. Like, there's so many people will debate what part of the Red Sea did they cross. That it really wasn't that deep. It's a miracle either way. There's uh, one, one um, liberal preacher came in to preach. It was a more conservative church. And the liberal preacher was preaching the Red Sea passage and talking about how the Israelites crossed on dry ground. And a, a gentleman from the audience said, amen, praise the Lord, that, that God could, could bring uh, the Israelites across dry ground. Praise the Lord. And the liberal pastor was kind of bothered that he interrupted by praises with praises and said, well, you have to understand that really wasn't like we think it was. It, it was more like a marshland. That it was more like, you know, maybe six inches of water. So it's not like what you think of. Like if we saw the Ohio just, the Ohio River just split open. It's not like that. And then as he was getting ready to go back to his text to start preaching, the same gentleman just said, praise the Lord, amen, that God could drown the Israelites or the Egyptians in six inches of water. <laughs> and, and so, you know, sometimes we try to, to dissect all these miracles and make them so... Um, you, you know, natural. It's a miracle, okay? It's, we, you can't just explain it through natural means. And so here, I, I don't know what kind of log he used to put in, but the fact that it was that God that did it, that God is in control, he's caring for his people, that's the theme of this Exodus story, that God is sovereign, he's watching over his people, he's with them all along the way, and he's providing for them. We have a God who provides. And yet, I want you to see some truths this morning about grumbling. Grumbling reveals some things about our heart. And so the first truth we see is that grumbling re reveals our forgetfulness. Grumbling reveals our forgetfulness. I mean, look at this. Back in verse 22, we see that Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea. They just crossed the Red Sea. They were singing songs about how God was faithful and he protected them. And they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. And they just began to grumble after three days. I mean, think of the greatest thing you've ever seen God do in your life. And you were on the mountain. How long did it take you to come down that mountain in the valley and start to grumble? For them, it was three days. And I, I look at them, and I just want to shake my finger. How, how can you guys be so foolish? But yet, the Holy Spirit just pricks my heart and says, you're the same way. I'll get excited. I'll go to a retreat or a conference or have an incredible Sunday morning at church. And by Tuesday, Wednesday, how many of us are grumbling? We're not much different, are we? I mean, here it says three days. How many of us in three hours won't be grumbling? When your quarterback can't complete a pass, you're grumbling. Your fancy football team's not doing so well this week, and you're grumbling against God. You with me this morning? I mean, think of how fragile we are emotionally. Like, we get so excited God, you are everything to us. And then yeah, we grumble. The same God who split the waters is the same God who they should have gone to in prayer instead of grumbling. 
They should have gone to him prayer. They had forgotten what he had done. Psalm 143 reminds us uh, the importance of remembering what God has done for us. Psalm 143, 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. God puts things in our lives to help us remember what he has done. One thing we do every month, the Lord's Supper. Uh, I love the Lord's Supper. I, 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 would, I wouldn't be, I'm, I'm one of those that wouldn't mind doing it every week. Because every week you do it, I'm reminded of what Jesus has done for me. That at least once a week, I'm going to reflect that he died, his body was broken, his blood was shed for the forgiveness of my sin. We need to be uh, uh, mindful and, and, and remind ourselves of what God has done for us. He's done so many things. And so when we begin to grumble, the psalmist would say, you got to shoot a paper and make a list of how God has worked in your life. And that's something I do in counseling when people come to me. Uh, they just have no joy in their life. I just, hey, what are you thankful for? When they're depressed, just write out some things that you're thankful for, 25 things that you can praise God that he's done in your life, how he's worked in your life. So grumbling reveals our forgetfulness. Secondly, grumbling reveals our insureness. So we have a movement here. So, so they're, they're, um, they went in the wilderness of Shur, um, and now they're moving in chapter 16. So in chapter 16, they move um, in verse 1. That's, my phone's going off, too. I hear some other phones. It's 938. Let me stop and let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for being a God of the harvest. We pray for laborers, Lord, that you'd send them out, you'd send us out, that we would not um, be lazy and careless, that our days are short uh, and there's work to be done. So, Lord, we just stop and pray, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Um, I'm not, you, I, I don't preach till 10, so I forgot to turn that off. I think it happened to me last time. Uh, where was I? Chapter 16. So there's movement again. Um, and here you, you're going to see that they're unsure, that they just don't trust the Lord. So that song just is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Exodus 16, verse 1. They set out from Elam and all the congregation. And remember all the congregation. You remember how big it was? We're talking about over a million people. Uh, there were 600,000 men, not counting men and Children, so it could be 1.5 million people moving uh, through the wilderness here. And so they moved from, um, from Elam, all the congregation of the people of Israel, came to the wilderness of Sin. Now, why in the world would you stop in the wilderness of Sin? <laughs> I, I read this, and I'm just like, all right, for real? You know what I mean? It'd be like uh, you, you moving in, like, on, on a... Like you're looking for a house, and there's this house that you think so cute, and, and the address is 666 Lucifer Lane. Like why would you buy that house? Nothing good's going to come from that. And so here they're moving in, camping out in the wilderness of sin. And how often do we camp out in the wilderness of sin? My goodness, it's something in our sinful nature. I mean, even Adam and Eve before the sinful nature happened to them. 
something in human and uh, humanity. Like, where were they? They were by the tree. They shouldn't have been anywhere near that tree. So they were camping out in the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Grumbling reveals our unsureness. It's been about a month, and they have already forgotten what the Lord has done. They could just could not trust him. They trusted the provisions of Egypt better than the provisions of the Lord. Did you see that back in verse 3? That they, that they remembered those meat pots, all the meat pots. I mean, later in the book of Numbers, when they're still wandering around the wilderness, when God's been providing for them now for years, they still do the same thing. I remember eating those cucumbers back in Egypt. Have you ever reflected on the goodness of a cucumber? But they were. And God's given them manna. And he provided meat for them, but they were thinking about the meat pots back in Egypt. How much better? It's always greener, isn't it? And they were just... God had delivered them from, they were being beaten. They didn't think about that part, did they? Just the meat pots. Oh, that meat, it was so good. After they had getting beaten by the Egyptians, couldn't wait to get home to some of that meat. And yet we, we're not any different than them. God does so many things for us. He's delivered us uh, from sin and yet sometimes we just question, like, Lord, I don't know if I can trust you. It might be better for me to go back to the way it used to be. Sometimes following you, Jesus, is not very easy. It's kind of hard following Jesus. I want to go back the way it used to be. At least I knew where my meal was coming from. Grumbling reveals our insureness. Psalm 100, verse 5, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His faithfulness to all generations. They had forgotten that God's faithful, that he's good, that he is trustworthy. So what does God do with their grumbling? My goodness, I mean, parents, you with me? Do your, your, your children ever grumble? I don't want to eat this tonight. This isn't even good. You've been working hard on that meal. I don't like this food. You ever hear grumbling, parents? What do you want to do with those kids? You want to shake them? You don't want to spend all, you know, I spent money making this. And look what the Lord does. So twice they've grumbled, both times he's, so he, he provided water for them. This time, this is beautiful. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven. I'm going to bring bread from heaven for you. And the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. 
grumbling reveals our unsureness. So here's this beautiful thing called manna, this bread from heaven we'll see in chapter 16 uh, that, that God refers to this as manna. It's real sweet. It's crispy. Comes every day in the morning. They're, they're told to go out and gather it. But just gather enough for that day um, because tomorrow you'll be back. And so they're just supposed to take enough for the day. And if they would take too much, the next morning, what they ever had left over, it said it would rot and it would stink. It wouldn't be any good. So just take enough for the day. The only exception was on the Sabbath. God did not want them to, to, to gather and go work on the Sabbath. So gather enough the day before for two days' worth. And on the Sabbath, it would, it would, it would sustain. It wouldn't go bad. And I love this picture for us, that, that God is, is a trustworthy God that he provides for us, that he gives you the grace for today. He does not give you grace for tomorrow, today. He gives you grace today for today. And I would have been one of those Israelites who would have gathered enough you know, I'd have got enough for today. Then I said, well, you know, you just get some. I might get hungry later tonight. Or tomorrow, God might not show up again. That manna might be gone. So let me get enough just in case he has other things to do and forgets about me. Because I'm a, I'm a kind of guy that, like, I, I um, administrative. I, I like to get things in order. And I have a plan, a list. I live by lists. And so let me get enough just in case, you know, God... Just in case God forgets about me, I'm going to make sure I don't forget about me. And so I, I've got this extra pot of manna just stored up for tomorrow. And I imagine Israelites, some of them did that. They would gather, and they had it, and they just kind of, every night they'd look at it, and just maybe open it up and make sure it was, okay, I got enough for tomorrow. So you're just worried. You're worried about tomorrow. Today, I'm worried about tomorrow. And I wonder how many of us are just worried about pro- problems tomorrow. And you're just sitting there looking into that pot. Okay, is it, do I still have enough? Do I have enough money, enough resources for tomorrow's problems? And when we do that, we're really not trusting the Lord. That we're, we're revealing something in our heart that's just unsure that the Lord will take care of our daily needs. That's what the Sabbath is about as well. The Sabbath is a moment for you to rest and trust that the Lord will still get done the important things that need done. And, and, and so some of us have a hard time resting. That we think, well, if I don't get this done, it's not going to get done. So I need to work today as well. And we're not trusting that the Lord will provide even when we take a break. Uh, and I just may have a heart for the moms in this room that you work so hard. My wife, my goodness. She is a rock for our family. We have six kids from almost two to 12. And uh, we do more laundry than uh, it, it seems possible. I mean, if she misses a day of laundry, it's overwhelming. And so for her to take a rest, a Sabbath, can be overwhelming for her. Thinking about all the things that she has to catch up on the next day. It's all doubled now. If I stop one day, it's doubled the next day. And she's learned that, you know what, it's going to get done. And it might not get done when she wants it, but it'll get done. And 
the Lord is still good and things still operate even when she's, you know, uh, when it's not perfect. And perfect usually means our way, right? That's when things are perfect. It's done my way. And the Sabbath teaches us it's okay if it's not done our way in our time. And so here they're, they're just, they're not sure God's going to provide for them. He also, a little later in chapter 16, he not just provides the sweet manna. Um, he also provides pigeons for them to eat so they have meat because they're complaining still. But well, we just don't want, you know, they're grumbling about food. I, I, this is a great illustration. Uh, this has been years ago. Olivia was driving home. And she, she needed to get gas. She's coming home in the interstate. Stops in like Hurricane to get gas. And she's at the red light, and there's a, a guy holding a sign beside the road. And she had just gone to the store, the grocery store, and uh, some groceries were beside her, or maybe just right behind her in the back seat. The guy was holding the sign, hungry, need food, please help. Um, you know, my wife's moved, moved by those things, and so she reaches in the back, grabs a, a box of Honey Nut Cheerios, and, uh, and, and gives it to the guy. And, and he just refused and said, sorry, ma'am, I don't, I don't eat kids' food. And, uh, and, and, she just, uh, and she just said, well, I guess you're not hungry. <laughs> and, and that might sound harsh, but, I mean, if you're hungry, you're going to eat some Cheerios, right? And uh, you just don't get to be picky. I remember as a kid growing up, uh, my family, we didn't come from much. And you just had to eat what was in the house. And you just praise the Lord for it. And, and uh and so here they're grumbling because God just gave them manna. Food from heaven falls from the sky. And they're like, well, we'd like to have some meat too, Lord. So he's so kind and gives them meat to eat. And, uh, and he does this for 40 years. He's faithful. Manna keeps falling from the sky until they get to where they have trees to eat from the trees. And when, uh, when they start to eat from the trees of the land... God ceases the manna. But for 40 years, he's faithful to provide for them. Every day, he shows up and gives them their daily need. Grumbling reveals our insureness. Lastly, grumbling reveals our ungratefulness. The third movement is in chapter 17. Chapter 17 is all the congregation of the people of Israel moved from the wilderness of sin, praise the Lord, by stages according to the commandment of the Lord and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. Right, is this, you heard this story before? So it sounds like right after they crossed the Red Sea, right? What do you think they did? Do you think they asked the Lord, Lord, can you do that miracle again, like how you made that bitter water sweet? Can you give us... I mean, my goodness, you're bringing bread down from heaven. Can you somehow give us some water from heaven? Is that possible, Lord? Is that what they did? Probably not. Verse 2. Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses, saying, give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? Do you notice the first two, the Lord was testing them? Then this one, there's a shift that they're actually testing the Lord. But the people thirst there for water. And the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why do you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, 
what shall I do with this people? They're almost ready to stone me. Grumbling reveals our ungratefulness. They're just a bunch of ungrateful people. We don't want those Cheerios, Lord. And they just wanted to see the next trick. They were testing the Lord in some way. It doesn't exactly tell us how, but they're testing. Uh, And so how does the Lord respond to this one? At what point do you just want to, the Lord just strike them? Well, he strikes something on this one, but it's not how I would have chosen, which is why I'm not God, and that's a good thing. Verse 5, and the Lord said to Moses, pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock of Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders uh, of Israel. So here they... Moses struck the rock, and it satisfied their thirst. Grumbling or gratitude? How do we fight off grumbling? I I think one way is become a person of gratitude. That's that's really an about face. That's to put off. You're putting off grumbling. You're putting on gratitude. Gratitude. Psalm 9, verse 1, I will give thanks to the Lord with all, um, uh, with my whole heart. I will recount all your wonderful deeds. Do you ever just take time and just thank the Lord? That's why I love, uh, I love having like a guided prayer. And for me, like that, um, um, that ACTS acronym A-C-T-S, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I love that because it helps me keep things in order that I'm starting with adoration. I'm just adoring God. God, you're, you know, you're amazing. You're so good, faithful. And then I'm confessing my sin. Um, and then the T is thanksgiving. I'm just, I'm just going to the Lord and, and just thanking him for my family, for salvation, for health, uh, for a church. There's so many things to be thankful for. Um, husbands and wives, like it's so important. Like, if you find yourself grumbling with each other, I, I would encourage you this week, if you find yourself grumbling at your spouse, I would encourage you to, to write out. Let me, let me just say this. Just <laughs> Even if you're not grumbling at your spouse, this is a good thing. I don't want your spouse to think, oh, I saw your thankful list. Uh, so that must mean you've been grumbling with me. Um, so this is good either way. But if you are grumbling with your spouse, make a list of things about them that you're thankful for. 25 things that you're thankful for them. And not like, not thankful that they do for you. Like, I'm thankful that you make me dinner. No, that's not about her. Like, I'm thankful for how kind you are. I'm thankful for how you're always thinking about others. I'm thankful for how you love 
to praise the Lord. I'm thankful for how you uh, clean the house, or I'm thankful for how hard you work. Thankful things about them, not what they do for you. Make a list of things that you're thankful for. It will help you tremendously not to grumble. And, and when you begin to feel that you're going to grumble with them, reflect on that list. It will help you, I promise you. So not only just become a, a person of gratitude, daily reflect, reflect on what Christ has done for you. What has Christ done for you? He's laid it all down for you. He laid out his life. He's satisfied your needs. Not your wants, but he's satisfied your needs. Over a thousand years later, Jesus comes along. And people again are hungry. It's amazing how many times like, you see uh, like how people grumble when they're hungry or thirsty. Uh, we're no different. Uh, and so people were, were hangry. They'd been listening to Jesus preach all day. And in John chapter 6, you see Jesus take uh, five loaves of bread and two fish and feed the thousands. The masses he feeds them. And then he says something to them to where they're going, oh, this is different. This, is, this guy is not like any other guy. This might be the prophet. And Jesus says to them in John chapter 6 this. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is one of those I am statements of John. He says, I'm the bread, the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, if you hunger, you're not going to be hungry anymore. If you're thirsty, I'm going to satisfy your thirst. And, 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 and what did they say? They said, amen. Hallelujah. The prophet has arrived. No. Look what they say. So the Jews grumbled. The Jews grumbled. The Jews grumbled about him because he said, I'm the bread of life that come down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? They didn't trust him. They were unsure. They were ungrateful. And they had forgotten the promises. I mean, Moses, Moses pointed to Jesus. The story of Moses was there was another prophet coming after. And that's what they thought. They thought, is this the one who comes after Moses? That's what it says in John 6. But yet, then when Jesus says this, they, ah, that's not him. We thought it was going to be him. It's not him. How, we, know, we know his mom and dad. It can't be him. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Don't question me. I am. Not I could be. I might be. I am. I am be. I am the bread of life. Your fathers, see, Jesus knew that they were connecting him to Moses. That's why he goes back to manna. Your fathers ate the man in the wilderness. They died. This bread that comes down from heaven so that no one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. 
and the bread that I will give from, for the life of the world is my flesh. So how does Jesus accomplish this? The death, burial, and resurrection. Paul, Paul connects Jesus with Moses and this whole Exodus story in 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, uh, Paul writes this. He says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Does that sound familiar? That's what we talked about last week. But then the next verse, he says, And all ate the same spiritual food. What's he talking about? Manna. And all drank the same spiritual drink from this rock. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. This is what Paul, Paul, when Paul's reading Exodus, when he's reading this story, these light bulbs are going off. And probably before conversion, he didn't get it. He was like the other Jews that grumbled. But maybe after his conversion, he, th- he spent those three years studying I wonder if when he got to Exodus and he just went, oh, I missed it this whole time. How beautiful is this? That on that day when the people in Exodus were grumbling, the people were grumbling. And and if you're like me, I would have just smacked them and said, all I've done for you and you're grumbling. They were guilty. And God continues to pour out grace and grace and grace and kindness. And in and, and the one with the rock, he, they're, you, they're there that day and they're grumbling. And Moses could have, you know, the Lord could have said, Moses, won't you take that staff and just strike all those Israelites? We'll just start over. But he didn't do that, did he? He said, Moses, take that staff and strike something else. Strike the rock. And he struck the rock, and the rock satisfied their thirst. So Paul, when Paul's reading that Exodus story, he's going, that's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. He said, well, we're all guilty. Every single one of us, we've all grumbled against the Lord. We've all tested him in ways. We've all sinned in some ways. We've all lived in the wilderness of sin. And God has every right to look at us. And Jesus, being this mediator, Jesus could have taken his staff and struck us all dead. But yes, not what Jesus did. Instead, Jesus took the staff. And he struck himself that on the cross, instead of all all of our sin being dealt with upon us, Christ dealt with our sin upon himself. He struck himself that he was the spiritual rock. And everything that he did for us on the cross satisfies our Heavenly Father. Isn't that amazing? That Christ satisfies our needs. The death, burial, and resurrection satisfies us. 
that as we look, and this is what happens, you got to understand how this works the, the, just with them. This is a beautiful picture of how we operate. There's the, there's the uh, you know, they're no longer slaves. They're free. But they still acted like slaves, right? And that's how we are. So, so the penalty of sin has been removed from us. But the power of sin is still present. So even though the penalty has been removed, we still act like slaves sometimes. We still go back to our old ways. So there's going to be times... And it might, be, it might not even be three days from now. It might be three hours from now where you're going to go back and act like a slave. You're going to be, you, your sin is going to come back into your life. And, and, and you're going to begin not to trust the Lord. You're going to begin to trust other things. And you need to remember in that moment what the Lord has done for you. That he's done everything that's, that he needed to do to satisfy your needs. He doesn't satisfy all of your wants, but every need that you ever have, He is our daily bread. That is a promise that we can keep and lean on. That Jesus is our daily bread, that He is our spiritual rock, that he satisfies everything that we'll ever long for. So some of you, you're looking in the wrong areas. You're looking uh, materialism. You're looking at work. You're looking at your family, your husband, your wife, or the lack of a husband, lack of a wife, or lack of children, or your children. You're looking at some other way to be satisfied. And you think, man, if I just had that, I would be satisfied. And Jesus wants you to look to him that everything that you'll ever need to be satisfied will be found in him. Nothing else. Only Jesus. Jesus.